Welcome to this week's edition of the St. Paul Podcast. I'm Peter Marty, Senior Pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church, located in the heart of Davenport, Iowa. Right here each week, you can hear a message to inspire your walk with God and hear beautiful music to fill your life. Let this podcast be your occasion to contemplate some of the deepest things in life, just as I hope it helps faith come alive for you. about the decline in civil speech that permeates much of our culture today. It seems that people in all sectors of society, from the top to the bottom or the bottom to the top, lambast those they don't know or those they don't like. And they often do so using nasty words. Courtesy is out, meanness is in. Well, we need to think about ugly words that are getting flung around so casually, some of which have really hateful undertones. As for Jesus' part, he expresses no patience with ugly and slanderous speech, as we discover in his Sermon on the Mount, among other places. In fact, he connects contemptible speech in his Sermon on the Mount with the commandment not to kill. And he reminds us there is stiff judgment that goes with that ugly talk. So here now, this little reading from the fifth chapter of Matthew's Gospel, beginning at the 21st verse, 
after which I'll share a message about the power of our words. Jesus said to his disciples, You have heard that it was said to those people of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will also be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you also will be liable to the council. And if you say to another one, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, well then leave your gift there before the altar and go and first be reconciled to that brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and the guard will throw you into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. But now take a listen to a message about the power of words um, and the hatred that is in way too much of society today. Unless you've been uh, sleepwalking through life, you're well aware that we have a hate problem uh, in this world. People who write off all kinds of other people uh, for nothing more harmless than their skin color or their place of origin and birth or their ethnicity or their religion or their political affiliation or you name it. People write off other people, and often do so with very hateful words. There's this digital campaign going on right now by some Holocaust survivors, and it is entitled, Hashtag, It Started With Words. The idea behind the campaign is really pretty simple, namely that the Holocaust of the 20th century didn't just happen. It's not like some German leaders and some German people woke up one morning and decided, hey, I think we ought to commit mass murder. No, it just so happens that before any of the Jewish stores were demolished and any of the Jewish books were banned and any of the Jewish synagogues were burned to the ground, it just so happens that before anybody was forced into a ghetto or forced into railroad boxcars or deported to concentration camps. Before all of that, words were used to stoke the fires of hate. So yeah, hateful things were spoken in parks and spat on the streets and trumpeted in classrooms. Hateful words that eventually turned into acts of violence. In other words, the Holocaust did not come out of nowhere. It sprung from ugly, it sprung from hateful words. Literally, hashtag, it started with words. Now, anti-Semitism has been around for several millennia, as most of you know. You can pick just about any century you want, and you'll find some pretty abhorrent stuff. I was reading a book two weeks ago, a chapter of which is on medieval Europe, and there was ferocious 
anti-Jewish rhetoric that just saturated Christianity at the time. You can see by reading history like that how violent speech bred violent action and persecution and death. The FBI reports in the United States these last couple of years, 60% of all uh, religious hate crimes have been directed at the Jewish community. But violence against any specific group, Jews or otherwise, always begins with words. Typically inflammatory words or language, you know, that designates certain people or group of people with fictional properties and characteristics. And then those words get repeated and repeated and repeated until the other becomes dehumanized or demonized. Adolf Hitler and Joseph Stalin, they described whole groups of people as vermin, as parasites, as poisonous weeds. The Nazis created posters that went up on the streets with words and pictures of the Jewish people as lice. Well, as you may be aware, there is ugly and hateful speech that's prevalent in our day too, at least more so than we might wish. You could pick just about any realm you want. Probably the most obvious realm would be political discourse or public life. You know, there is uh, a lot of nasty and vindictive and vile and graceless and classless and ugly and hate-filled speech. Some of it's brutish, some of it's boorish. And I never can tell exactly why people employ this talk, except maybe it makes one feel tough, I guess. Or maybe it makes them feel in control or feel as if they have power. I don't really know. But, you know, I would challenge you, and as I'm going to challenge myself, to pay a little more attention to some of the worst and nastiest rhetoric, as hard as it is to do sometimes. And I, by this I mean just listen to the words of different individuals in our communities, in our country. And when you do so, you have to set aside the policy or the topic. It doesn't matter if it's climate change or what it is. Set aside the legislation and just listen to the words. Set aside your political preferences. Just listen to the words. And whether or not there's any interest in protecting the dignity or the well-being of the one who's being spoken of. Marilyn Robinson, a great author in our time, a really profound thinker. She said recently, we are brutal in this country. The ways that we intentionally undervalue people, we're brutal. And she says, we all have to hope that God is a great deal kinder than we are. Now, those of you familiar with the Christian teachings of time know that there historically have been, at least through the Catholic Church uh, teachings, seven deadly sins, or seven cardinal sins. Pride, greed, anger, envy, lust, gluttony, and sloth. You're probably familiar with some of them. You'll 
practiced some of them during the Super Bowl today, I'm guessing. <laughs> In Judaism, there are three cardinal sins, or three deadly sins that are uh, commonly referred to. Idolatry, murder, and incest. But catch this. The rabbis, the sages, over the centuries, have said, and they've written, written extensively about, that there is one thing worse than all three of those cardinal sins combined. And that one thing that is worse is evil speech. Gossip, slander, hatred, character assassination, that nastiness that's expressed with words is worse than incest, murder, and idolatry combined. Well, why is this nasty speech, you know, worse than everything else, you say? Well, the rabbis have always said it's because it takes apart the world. It destroys the trust of relationships that makes a society what it is. To defame another person, to essentially ruin them with words, according to Jewish thinking, is the most anti-life, anti-God activity that's imaginable. It's basically an insult to God. And when that speech is spoken, it harms the person who speaks it, it harms the one who's spoken about, and it harms anybody who's listening in. So along comes this rabbi named Jesus. And we shouldn't be surprised when he tells us the moral truth that words, in fact, kill. Yet they kill. We are surprised. We say, words? Really? Words can kill? Well, this is what he says to his disciples in this Sermon on the Mount from the reading I just gave you. He says to his disciples, you're familiar, you know, with this commandment from ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever does better expect a lot of judgment. That's what he says. And just before that, before the reading today, there's this other verse that some of you know really well. He says, I did not come to abolish the law of ancient times and the prophets, but I came to fulfill them. I didn't come to cancel them out or get rid of them, in spite of what many Christian people think, that Jesus is replacing Judaism. He's come to render that obsolete, and he comes with this newness. No, he says, I'm not, I'm not here to um, abolish the law. I'm here to fulfill it which means I'm going to fill it up with more meaning. I'm going to clarify its meaning. I'm going to make it deeper. I'm going to add things to that law. And so he goes on to say, if you have an attitude of anger, not just a flash of temper, but you know, a kind of continuing anger, a, a sort of grudging resentment that just lives with you, it festers, and you just won't let go of it, Jesus says, you're breaking the commandment against murder, and you can expect judgment. He goes on. He says, you insult a brother or sister, you call them empty-headed or a numbskull. That's basically the Greek word that Jesus uses. He says, same thing. You're breaking the commandment about murder. And you better expect some serious judgment from the provincial courts or the Sanhedrin. There's more. Jesus says, you slander someone by calling them an idiot and that's literally the word he uses. It's moron in, in Greek. You're breaking that commandment against killing and murder. And you will pay the fires of hell. 
or the fires of Gehenna. There's a valley outside of Jerusalem below Mount Zion where the, the Hebrew people used to have these most despicable idolatries events. It eventually became a city dump and like every city dump of size, there's always fires burning. You will pay with the fires of hell, says Jesus. Nasty and hate-filled words kill people. And what Jesus is banning from the community of anyone who wants to follow him, he's banning this evil speech. His surgical method, he's basically scaring the hell out of anybody who's listening to him when he talks about the judgment over the words we use. For to be a free person in Jesus Christ, we have to let go of hate-filled words. Remember, nasty, vile, vindictive, hate-filled words, according to the centuries of Jewish thinking, they're insulting of God. They destroy the relationships of trust that weave the fabric of society. They engage in the most anti-life, most anti-God activity imaginable. And they harm you who speak them or me who speaks them. They harm whoever we speak about. And they harm anybody who's listening in, say the, say the rabbis. Martin Luther King Jr., who had to spend so much time uh, dealing with hatred, and not just from white segregationists, but from his own followers, they wanted to use hatred to combat hatred. And he constantly had to speak them down. He said one time, to the degree that I harm my brother, no matter what he's doing to me, I am harming myself and I'm harming my God. But you know, for all of the judgment that Jesus pours on us in this little passage from Matthew, and for the wrath of God that he promises, you know, against evil speech that unnecessarily hurts other people, he does offer a word of hope. He says, essentially, you know, you can get out of this hatred cycle. You can get out of this idea of demeaning others as if it somehow is credible. You've got to make a move, and you ought to make the first move. Make things right with whomever has a grudge against you, but just get off your duff and do it. Go, try to make amends, try to reconcile. And if you're in worship, just put your gift down, get out of worship, fix that relationship, because how can you really worship completely if the relationships of life are a mess, because what is worship but relationship with God? Then, when you've got that figured out, come back in and you can fully worship and your gift will be real. Hashtag, it started with words. That's the Holocaust ca campaign against hate-filled speech. And the way that we select words, the way we assemble them, this just matters hugely. We can harm or disfigure or we can bless and dignify the world and other people by just the words we use. I happen to think that language is the most distinctive thing about being a human being. The first power God gave us was the power of words, the power to name things. That's a tree, that's a piece of fruit, that's my partner. Um, words are huge. As I encouraged you earlier and myself as well, you know, think about that exercise if you would. Try sometime to listen to the political discourse in this country and set aside every political preference and every issue that might be on the table and just listen to the words. Do they foster 
some courtesy, some degree of civility, some measure of grace? Or are the words that you're listening to at that given moment of your exercise, are they nasty? Are they demeaning? Are they hate-filled? Are they boorish? Jesus says, it's our words that will either justify our place in the lap of God or condemn us. I tell you, he says, on that day of judgment, you will have to give an account of every careless word you ever uttered. If he is serious about this, well, we better be ready to give an account of our sometimes graceless, sometimes contemptible words. At least those ones that come at the expense of someone else's dignity. There's a hate problem in this world. For sure there is. But for all who know Jesus Christ, there is something else that stands at the center of the cosmos and that we can be certain of. And that something else is called love. And if we can practice that love, you know what it does to worship? You know what it does to the gifts we bring through our lives to worship? It just makes them all the better, all the more complete, all the more genuine. Amen.
I invite you to pray with me as we say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Another week in your life is at hand. So go about your business and about your days, speaking words with as much kindness and grace as you can possibly muster. And may God bless your effort. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and thanks for your support of the ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way you feel a part of that reach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast.